Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome to Jetpacks, are overrated. Welcome back to Jetpacks are overrated. I'm Seamus Byrne and I've missed you too. There's a funny thing out there in tech land where all of the big, splashy things get all the media attention while some of the biggest revolutions are more quiet and they're happening kind of under the radar. And Australia actually has a really good track record of these wildly successful business-to-business companies that no one's kind of heard of, unless you're business is now much better off thanks to the tools that they've made possible. The obvious one is Atlassian, of course, but then there's Safety Culture, the company that is helping businesses fix lots of little safety and risk problems with everything from printable safety checklists to Internet of Things sensors to ensure that cool rooms stay cool or other metrics to that is kind of set to stay within specific limits so that big problems are alerted before they turn into gigantic problems. I'm chatting with Brian Swift, the head of product at Safety Culture, and we talk about how the company has had a particularly big role to play while businesses are trying to get their reopenings right in the thick of the coronavirus pandemic. We also explore how Internet of Things has evolved and how Swift sees its future, plus lots of other talk about the tech as well as being one of the handful of Unicorn Aussie startups, that's when they're worth a billion dollars. We kick it off with Brian sharing his thoughts on the success of solving really niche problems instead of chasing far loftier targets. One of the things that's always been a big part of safety culture's DNA, and I think it's true of a lot of companies like ours that are more B2B cloud services, SaaS companies, is just the obsession with the customer and really just trying to understand the problem. It's not always about the um, cool technology, although that can be an enabler of solving the problem. I've always um, just, I'm lucky enough to have worked with now Luke Neer, our founder at Safety Culture, and his just, I've never met someone so obsessed with just solving a problem in any way possible. And then prior to joining Safety Culture, I was fortunate enough to be at Atlassian. And so seeing Mike Cannon-Brooks and 
Scott. I think they're, they are very similar in their, their drive just to solve problems in any way possible. Yeah. Um, so the big thing I wanted to kind of focus on is that idea of, you know, I remember for a long time in the early part of everybody getting told about Internet of Things, it's going to save us, it's going to do all these amazing things. But it, it always felt like, you know, the promise was kind of just a little further down the road and we never quite got there. Whereas it, it really does look like that the work uh, that safety culture is making possible is a lot of that idea of those promises brought to life in being able to have just that reliable peace of mind monitoring that is out there that is making sure that things are, you know, that you don't have to worry about it until the system tells you you need to worry about it. Is that kind of a good way of thinking about it? Yeah, definitely. One one of our philosophies in building new products has always been let's let the market or our customer base pull us rather than try to push something onto them. And so in the past, I think, generally speaking, IoT technologies have been a very fascinating piece of tech that was in service of solving a real customer problem. It's great to capture a lot of data, but if that's just going and sitting in some cloud storage database, um, that's not really, you're not getting out of it what you need. And we we found that um, our customers, primarily in cold storage, so this could be a supermarket storing uh, perishable goods. It could be um, a server room that needs to maintain a certain level of temperature and humidity. We just found that they were using our inspections product. Um, um, you think of that as a digital checklist to just go back and very repetitively check these things. And they rarely failed, but when they did, they'd be catastrophic or at least quite costly. And that is when we said, oh, there's this emerging IoT market and the the cost of this hardware is now at a point where we could probably figure out a way to get this into the hands of our customers and solve this problem for them to free them up to focus on what they uh, need to focus on rather than doing these repetitive, sometimes monotonous checks. Yeah. And is there anything that leaps to your mind on, you know, was there like a moment or was there a new piece of hardware that arrived that meant we did finally get to that point where that sort of, you know, that price barrier to saying, oh, we could really start to put this everywhere it's needed, not just like, well, you know, you can pick the five most important places. <laughs> um, you know, was there kind of a key moment when safety culture kind of spotted that this was really now viable? I don't think there was the proverbial eureka moment yeah, yeah. for us. It was, it was, but it, it did start to, it, we didn't feel people saying, Hey, I really want some sensors. Can you give us some sensors? <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. um, us. We we had a, a team that was very interested in these technologies and observing that they were becoming more affordable. Um, and when you just try to get down to the problem that we were hearing, which is, um, I don't want to put people in harm's way to do these checks in industries like uh, construction and mining, more high risk industries. And I just want to be more efficient with my time uh, in industry. Uh, retail and hospitality, it just became clear that when we looked at the market, we could actually grab some sensors. So initially, we just looked at the market and figured out these ones that we didn't build, uh, but we've evaluated, we think could work. And let's just go put them, let's go into a Kohl's uh, supermarket uh, fridge and actually see if this thing can stick on the wall. Can it communicate with the network? Uh, Is it okay to communicate over Wi-Fi or does it require a, a data connection? If you have a gateway that is the hub spoke model for that sensor, how does that work? And so when you actually get out there and stop, stop just talking about it, but 
seeing these things in the environment, then you start to say, okay, this is something that I think we can actually deliver for our customers. And look, that's a really good point because look, one of my random uh, you know, youthful jobs was my parents ran a corner shop for a while and I remember stocking the fridge and it is a weird environment, you know, like there, and it's a lot of metal. It's almost like a, almost like a, you know, a potential Faraday cage, right? You know, the, you might put something in there, then it just can't communicate, even though just outside the door, it would be perfectly fine. So it's actually, yeah, really interesting to think about needing to know that you've gone into those environments to actually test this stuff. For, for sure. Like, does it, can, does it need to be battery powered or do you plug it in? Like other outlets in these refrigerators, um, is it? You, you mentioned the Faraday cage. Can it actually communicate outside of there? If how do we adhere it to the wall? How will that stay for months, years? Um, there, the casing will it begin to expand or contract based on the humidity and the temperature? These are all things that we didn't initially consider. We were just like, oh, this is a cool piece of technology. Let's get it in here. But that became the big problem for us to go solve: is how can we get something that checks all these boxes in a cost-effective way. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, you know, there's new projects going on um, around uh, the name escapes my brain right now, the like back to work or back to business. Yeah, safely back to business. Yeah, so what kind of initiatives are attached to that idea for trying to help people see that that this kind of monitoring is actually something that could be helpful in the world we're now in? Yeah, the the safely back to business thing. It, it's it's interesting. I mean, these are unprecedented times, at least uh, in my lifetime, for something like this. And the the thing that um, I think at times we feel fortunate, but more more so, I think a really great responsibility to our customers is we've spent the last eight years building a product for high risk safety environments, and now suddenly all these businesses are high risk safety environments. Yes. And so there are, there are ways of thinking and adapting processes within an organization that we've learned from our customers over the years that can, we can now apply to these industries. Um, so we, we see people looking at uh, sensors in particular to um, reduce human touch points. Obviously every time a human has to go do a task and touch something that introduced risks in the world of COVID um, so there are ways that that can just remove the human element from something that is impo- still important to do. But beyond just our sensors uh, offering our inspections product, which has been our flagship uh, product, our app called iAuditor uh, for the last several years, is um, we've seen a huge adoption of these COVID-related checklists. Um, and uh, we now have around 75,000 of these checks happening every day on our platform. So it's, it's something that we're learning as just like everyone else and trying to adapt. Um, but we, we feel a really great responsibility to continue to push the product to help these businesses um, keep their employees safe, keep their customers safe, um, but still uh, feel like they can open and, and serve, uh, serve their customers. What do you feel like are also some of the, you know, I guess there's culture lessons attached to kind of implementing this kind of tech because at a certain level, you know, you're giving someone these uh, devices and tools that they can trust, but also they clearly need to like to learn how to put that faith in these devices, or or they need to kind of learn what are the different parts of of working with that kind of a system 
behind you. So, you know, what are sort of some of those things that you've offered, you know, I guess in the past and that might even now apply more to this new case as well of helping people learn how to kind of operate with this kind of stuff behind them? It's a great question. We have seen over and over again that really great safety cultures, and I say that I mean the, the term safety culture, um, is not something that is top-down, traditional compliance-driven. It's something that needs to be owned by everyone. So if you're working on a construction site, everyone needs to be aware of what's happening around them, the risks. They need to uh, make sure they're helping their teammates. And if they see something, making sure they share that immediately. Um, we've taken these same concepts and tried to look at this world. And I, and I think the one thing that we've always found from a product development perspective with the tools themselves is they need to be simple. As soon as any complexity is a barrier to every single one of your staff members feeling engaged or feeling like they can contribute meaningfully to safety of their, their teammates and ultimately the, the company and their customer. And so everything that we've done or tried to do, I should say, is simplify it almost like a consumer app. We all use uh, apps like Instagram and WhatsApp and all. Of, and we can look at those and the user experience uh, common characteristics that you see in those apps and try to get those into our app. So while it is a business app, it is a uh, problem that trying to solve a compliance problem. It doesn't need to feel that way. And so if we can do that and then give our the managers, um, the tip, what we would call quote unquote a manager, the flexibility to take one of our 100,000 free checklists that we have available in our public library that you can download and get started with in seconds, um, allow them to grab those and then customize it to their team's needs. So I think that customization layer along with the simple app experience is what's required to really get adoption. Um, both for high-risk industries that we've seen before and now especially with COVID as people are now all having to suddenly get involved in safety and compliance in ways they never had before. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the, I think there's probably an obvious answer to this, but it's important for anyone listening to kind of be able to grasp um, how the system works when it comes to, you know, to failure. And so, you know, is it essentially a bit of a tripwire almost system of like going, the, an alarm goes off, if it's not getting the information that it should be getting anymore or, you know, how is it, how does that side of it work when it comes to someone being able to go? So it's one thing for it to, to know when something changed, what happens if it, if the battery just dies or something like that? <laughs> yeah, we, we have a uh, feature that we or a product, I should say that we just launched, which we're calling incidents, which helps close the loop on, on these issues. So um, there, there are two ways that this could happen. One is in an automated sensor monitored way. And another is uh, someone just noticing something in kind of an ad hoc manner. So the, the sensors, uh, we allow you to set boundaries where it's looking at a continuous uh, feed of the data coming from the sensor. And if it gets out of band for a certain period of time, so let's say in a, in a um, refrigerator, it's above five degrees C for more than more than 20 minutes, it will then, uh, you can, as a manager, set up who should be alerted. So notify all the managers or staff at that site when this occurs, um, and they can jump jump in and resolve the issue once it's there. And a, a great example of this is we've worked with a company called Marley Spoon here in Australia. Yeah. And they, yeah, awesome, awesome company and, uh, and product for that matter. Um, they 
had they installed one of our sensors and within the first week over a weekend on a i believe it was a friday or saturday evening this actually occurred what i just described they had an issue with their cool room where they have about a hundred thousand dollars of stock oh. just sitting there and and they all got an alert um the relevant people got an alert at uh, late in the evening on a friday and then quickly figured out who was the closest went in make sure they resolved the issue to save them uh what would have been a pretty big loss um so that's that's one really uh, common use case that we see. And then the other is, as I go back to the simplicity and actually changing the mindset and empowering everyone on your teams, um, just share something when you see it. Uh, it should just be a couple taps in an app. Uh, I see something, this is what it is. The system will know who to alert. And now I'm in kind of like a WhatsApp type conversation where we can figure out what's going on, take photos if for the people who aren't there, if they want to see what's going on. Um, and just make sure the issue gets resolved. So um, those are the two primary ways that we're using our inc incidents product to just help people react to these issues when, when they do occur. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. And look, even, yeah, even that sort of second side of it, which is, I guess, you know, it's less, right, less technical and it's more just about making sure the right people can be alerted in the right way. Um, it's a great point that I think in so many just standard work environments someone might see something but they don't even know who they should call or they think oh, i'll tell this person and hopefully they'll pass it on you know like nobody knows who's responsible and therefore things well everyone will often assume that someone else is just going to deal with it um so it sounds like that is yeah a really important uh thing to be able to introduce for an organization yeah i, I think you you assume that all all of your staff obviously have the best intentions and yeah. they're always looking out for stuff, but there are always um, challenges or barriers to that. Like you said, I don't I don't know how to report it, or if I do know how, it's it's really difficult, and I have to go fill out a ten page document <laughs> and then go visit someone at our headquarters. You know, um, so my boss make will be really angry simple? because I wasted <laughs> an hour when I was meant to do this other thing. <laughs> That's right. And that's that you hit on another really critical point that there is almost a negative connotation of reporting these things, which they should be celebrated um, because they're really important things to share. And for every, I don't know, let's call it a thousand of these that go unnoticed, uh, 
if, if just one or two of those had been shared, it probably would have prevented a really big incident from occurring. And so uh, making it simple to, to share that, to automatically alert the people that need to know so you don't have to think about that. And, uh, and then also to capture, knowing what information you need to, to capture in the moment. Because you might not know if you're walking by you know, a part of a, a construction site that you've never worked at before, let's say, and you notice something and you just, you're just not sure what to do yeah. um, or what information you'll need when you have to go back and do an investigation, the app will actually prompt you with questions so you can go ahead and answer them. So the manager, again, has the peace of mind that not only will people know um, the information that they need to diagnose what went wrong to prevent it from happening again will be captured in that moment. Mm. And so, yeah, perishable storage definitely seems like a really sort of big aspect. And then these sort of new ideas of, of the workplace type um, questions that are coming up around COVID. You know, what what do you feel like are the biggest opportunities for safety culture as a company, um, you know, in this kind of year ahead uh, in terms of, I guess, not just, you know, helping everybody to deal with what we're kind of all worried about right now, but um, overall, you know, what do you feel like are some of those? And it, it's almost weird to use the word opportunity because, again, it's about helping people stop bad things from happening. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure there's mm. probably better phrases people can use, but, um, you yeah, know, what's your thinking <laughs> on that? Yeah, we, we believe that um, this these core tenets of a safety culture, as I mentioned before, like um, shared responsibility and constant communication and helping your teammates and uh, always sharing what you see and not having this bystander effect that you alluded to. Um, these things permeate almost every vertical. <laughs> um, and COVID obviously just amplifies that. And so we think there's a, we're already used all, all across the world. Um, and so there are, uh, I think there's a big opportunity for us to continue to serve each of the markets we're already in, um, but get our, our sensors product, our incidents product in the hands of more people. We're looking at uh, how can we help train staff? So it's not just, um, you know, the, your frontline staff are, are the, the heartbeat of your organization for the customers in which we operate. So how can we help um, managers invest in the training of, of their staff members, but also help the staff members members invest in training of their fellow staff members because oftentimes you don't want to go look at a, a PowerPoint presentation for uh, an entire day to learn how to operate a piece of machinery. You just want to see your friend who you know is an expert at it, do it. And so we have uh, an application that actually shows you uh, quick two-minute videos of how to do tasks with a little questionnaire after. So um, I think the big opportunity for us is to really pull together um, the processes, processes you have with incident uh, inspections being able to respond to incidents when they occur, have real-time continuous monitoring with sensors, um, have the ability to track actions. And if something does go wrong, it's one thing to talk about it, but how do you make sure that you document that the thing has been fixed? And uh, finally, looking at training and how you can empower your staff to, to just get better and more knowledgeable at their job. And with that, I think as a more senior executive at a company, you get a whole new view into your organization, what's happening from a data perspective. So it's one thing to just get a flood of documents or uh, readings from sensors, but we can then almost curate a view of here's where you need to look at, here's where your uh, company is needs the most help, here are the teams that are doing great, here are the teams that need a little bit of a nudge right now. And so it allows you to kind of make the most of that data and know where you need to focus your energy. Awesome. Um 
are you seeing in general that with the pandemic this year that not just related to the pandemic itself, but that people are kind of becoming more mindful of all those other aspects of workplace safety and sort of other elements? Like, is there a rise in general interest in actually trying to, you know, to better prepare for for wider problems that can come up? I think so. Um, there's plenty of anecdotes that we, we've seen and we um, certainly the adoption of our COVID checklists has been increasing substantially. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think this, um, you know, you look, you look at, um, I don't know if you remember the Chipotle outbreak that happened a few years yeah. back, which, um, you know, obviously caused a pretty big issue for their business, but they took a lot of steps to have hand sanitizers to look at the ventilation systems to make sure they were uh, proper that uh, process, <clears throat> excuse me, processes of staff to make sure they're uh, sanitizing it as frequently enough. And they, they viewed that as rather than uh, a moment, an opportunity for a movement for their organization to start thinking about how they could be more prepared for anything that happens. And they're likely much better off today as this is occurs than many other businesses who hadn't gone through that. And so I, I do see and hear from our customers that this is more than just a, uh, an event that's happened. It is an opportunity for them to really all own not just safety in terms of, you know, personal hygiene and, and COVID, but um, their, their staff, <clears throat> excuse me, their teams, and uh, really having this new mindset that I think helps you not just be safer, but more efficient. Uh, and if you're building a product, ultimately deliver a better quality product to your customer. Awesome. So as like a parting gift to people who might be listening, are there a couple of sort of tips you could give people from everything you've seen on, you know, good first steps if they're worried their workplace culture isn't necessarily putting, um, you know, important issues front of mind? What, 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 what cultural things should people be adopting ahead of making some decisions about what kind of tech might be able to help them too? Yeah, I think just engaging in the conversation with your staff and um, letting them know that this is something that you you care about and you want to hear the ideas they have. They probably, um, depending on your business, see things or hear things that you just can't see if you're not out in the field, in a store, uh, in a restaurant every single day. And so just engage in the conversation with them and let them know that this matters and uh, you want to understand how you can help keep them safe uh, and empower them. I think... uh, using those ideas to then come up with a few initiatives and just make it a clear priority for your entire organization. And then I think the next step is, as you said, just finding that uh, a tool that can be simple and it's, it's not something they have to go invest uh, a week in understanding. It's something they can just hopefully just use on a device that they already have in their hands and um, uh, just break down any barrier threshold or challenges that you have. And I think if you can just engage in that, conversation that um, promoting and creating a a sense of finding these issues and noticing them is going to make us stronger. It's almost like you're building the immune system of your organization, right? If everyone is uh, aware and has a heightened sense of responsibility and understands what to do when they see something, then I think you're going to be in a much better position. Um, That being said, this is a very rapidly evolving situation. And so um, just doing that once is not going to be enough. I think it's an ongoing conversation that you need to have uh, with, with, with your team and um, continue just to adapt quickly um, as, as the situation evolves. Awesome. Um, is there any 
one then sort of piece of tech in your arsenal that you actually uh, find is your favorite you know uh, uh, even if it's some weird widget that you've like gone oh there was this one thing we inst- you know somebody used this and it it's actually uh, given amazing results <laughs> um that's a good question it's hard it's a to very pick random one. question I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it's 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 a good one i i i think the the thing that we've seen be adopted really quickly, even faster than I've expected, is just the power of a simple checklist um, and and just doing that on a re- repetitive basis and looking at the data. I, I think people checklists seem so simple, you know, but yeah. they're how the avi industry aviation industry uh, evolved and became safe. Um, it's how the medical industry was able to perform very complex surgeries. The human mind can only handle so much. And with everything that we're hearing, um, especially in the news and, uh, you know, people just feel anxious with, uh, in, in general, but especially now with this situation, um, really simplifying this complex time and challenge into a few checks every day or a few times a day just gives people, I think the peace of mind and sense of control that they need to know that, that they can do this. So I, I think, the check, the just digital checklist that uh, people are grabbing from our public library, um, just using for, for, for free in many cases, I think is, is the most powerful thing. Um, I, I think personally, our sensors are pretty cool. And it's something that uh, I'm really excited to see how they get adopted now, especially um, in, in this time, um, because I do think they can really, really help, or at least I hope so. And, and so far, we've seen a few great examples of that. And look, I think it's a great point about the checklists. I know, look, in, even in our household, we find we have daily checklists for the kids to build the habits. Because you know, if you if you don't if you don't see it in front of you every day, you know, it doesn't become a habit two weeks down the road. You know, so um, it's a great point that it's probably a really good time for people to kind of remember that that kind of habitual side of of always remembering that these things are actually important and you need to do them every single time um, is, yeah, is a really great place to start. That's awesome. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a mindset shift for sure. Yeah. The, the big thing from kind of my long time sort of background around having kind of, you know, done a lot of business writing about IoT a long time ago, it's, it's that nice feeling of seeing, seeing these things genuinely now in the market helping make kind of this sort of monitoring possible because for a long time it was always – yeah, it was always two to five years away, but it was always two to five years away. So it's kind of nice to go, mm-hmm. oh, man, this stuff is really helping businesses save serious dough right now. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. And I think we, we really, when we started this sensors project, we hired uh, two, two people. They were both in their mid-20s. And we just said, uh, you know, really ambitious, interested in this problem. And we just said, you know, don't, for the first 30 days, we don't really want you in the office. Just go go in a bunch of cool rooms. Go, or we didn't even actually know if temperature is where we were going to focus then. And just figure out and visit all of our customers in the Sydney area and just listen to the problems and opportunities that you see where sensors could potentially help. And uh, that we just started there and it just naturally evolved, um, which I think was uh, a really nice way to, in retrospect, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think that was a much better thing than saying, here's the strategy that we think makes sense based on the IoT market. And it was, no, just just talk to people and see see the challenges they have. And let's then figure out if we can solve that problem in a cost-effective way. And if not, then maybe we'll wait a year or two. But um, we were fortunate that the timing just happened to work out. 
Yeah, that's great. And you're right. It's like if you'd just been making it up off the top of your own heads, you might be like going, dust. Dust is the first problem we need to solve. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then well, you're sitting it's... there with a bunch of sensors about dust and no one wants them. <laughs> Not that dust yeah, is the problem. Yeah, I, I think. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Um, <laughs> I think a mistake I've seen a lot of tech companies make is you get a lot of really smart people and you get them in front of a whiteboard and reading a bunch of research reports about the market that they're op- they're operating within. And then you come up with some really great ideas and then you go try to execute on them, which is makes sense. And it's a good way to go about doing things. But until you get out of the office and just talk to people every single day, um, you begin to realize that this kind of idealistic view of the world that, oh, of course, this technology will solve this problem and they'll be willing to pay for it. Um, the, when you're out there, you actually start to see the nuance and um, it helps you kind of adapt your thinking and, and, and then not just the product development, but how you market it and talk about it and position it. So if we were going to sell a sensor to uh, a supermarket chain uh, versus a um, server room, like a server company, um, that's a very different pitch. And it's a very different way to express the value of, of the product. And they have different requirements for it. And so you don't get that unless you're out, actually out there talking. I know it sounds simple, but uh, if you go out there and talk to people, you'll figure out what they, what they need <laughs> yeah. um, rather than just hypothesizing from the, the comfort of your boardroom. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 